This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. The Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So the question is, what are you doing for Jesus Christ? Because when you stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, that's what he's going to ask you. What did you do for me? What did you do for me with the opportunities I gave you? The old man turned off the radio, said, where did all of the old songs go? Kids sure play funny music these days. They play it in the strangest ways. Said it looks to me like they've all gone wild. It was peaceful back when I was a child. Well, man, could it be that the girls and boys are trying to be heard above your noise? And the lonely voice of youth cries, what is truth? And then last of all, the Christian is to witness for Christ. Now, how do you witness? You witness by the way you live. And if you live a changed life in which Christ is living in you and radiating out through you, other people will be attracted to you and they'll say, what's your secret? And you'll say, I know Jesus Christ. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. Recently, I was putting together a blog and I titled it Sin, Culture, and the Boogeyman. Boogeyman, you say? Yes, as a child, I remember being told about the boogeyman. In fact, it is a type of mythical creature used by adults to frighten children into good behavior. The boogeyman has no specific appearance and punishes children for misbehavior. The term boogeyman is sometimes used for terror, and in some cases it could even refer to the devil himself. The race issue. The virus issue, politics, and the election all have become boogeymen in some way in our society. So much of our discussions about social justice, the pandemic, and the homeless are all being discussed with the wrong emphasis. One of the reasons it has the wrong emphasis is because we are afraid to ask the really hard questions. As a result, the emphasis is on the problem, and the problem is the source of the problem. The solution isn't in the problem. The problem has become a problem because we have ignored the solution by not asking the hard questions. Tom Parrish is a good friend. He's a great communicator. He's one of those people who is a leader of leaders. He is a former pastor, he is an author, a commentator, and currently one of the more provocative bloggers on the internet. Tom is my guest today, and we're going to talk about, well, I guess we're going to talk about in some ways, boogeymen, because we have been inundated by the wrong emphasis on the wrong themes. So thanks for joining us for the City Sides podcast today. Tom Parrish, coming up. My guest today recently posted a blog that I, I want to talk about today. I, I think it's so important. It's very provocative as well. Tom Parrish, your recent blog was entitled Only Two Questions Matter. Your emphasis was on God's questions to us. Just two questions you say God will ask when we face him face to face. And by the way, there will be no masks required on that exchange. <laughs> 
But let me quote from the portion of your article to sort of give us a, a background. You say, since the early days of my ministry, I've been in contact with the charismatic and Pentecostal movement. I have heard many words, so-called words, from the Lord and knew the depth and integrity of those presenting those words. I believe with all my heart that the Lord Jesus speaks to us today and raises up prophetic voices. Today I'm hearing more prophetic words than I have heard in my lifetime. Historically, this volume of prophecies unprecedented. The internet, and specifically YouTube, have provided a forum for virtually everyone who believes they have a word from the Lord in these scary and rebellious times. Okay, Tom, before we get to those two questions, why do you think there is so much prophetic speculation yeah. today? I mean, is this a sign of the end times or the last days? I think it's interesting because if you go around the world right now, Larry, and I have contact with people in Africa, I have contact with people in India, uh, Australia, a variety of places. In our Western Christianity, we have been living with grace for so long, the love of Jesus, the good shepherd that we learned about in Sunday school, that we don't understand that there is a wrath to this Jesus. There is a truth to him, the one with the sharp double-edged sword, and that judgment will come. Now think about America. We've murdered over 60 million babies. We have opened up the door and thrown out marriage as the way the Lord designs. We've thrown prayer out of school. Colleges have now become places for indoctrination into far-left thinking, and Christianity is ridiculed. And even the comedy today. Now, you and I grew up with Jackie Gleason and Red Skelton, and those were great, but we don't have that anymore. What we have is so much sarcasm and misuse of the name of Jesus. It's really pathetic. And I've often wondered, how long is the Lord going to put up with this? So what we have right now with the COVID-19 with the rioting over the death of George Floyd and others, Black Lives Movement, Antifa, we have a country that's in turmoil. Our leadership doesn't seem to be very strong on where to take us during this time, either in both parties, it doesn't matter. So yes, there is judgment coming. Yes, I think the second coming is around the corner, but I can't tell you when that's going to be. What I know is that when I'm on, let's say like I'm on the Titanic and it's going down, I'm not gonna save the ship. I'm not going to say, oh, the bow's underwater. Oh, look what's happening to the stacks. What I'm going to say is, Jesus, I belong to you. And tell everyone I can around me about his love and his purpose, because eternity is a long time. This is a temporary moment. That's what we're missing today. But I think people are scared, and they want control. And how do you get control but to get the inside knowledge? What's really going on from the Bible? If I can figure all this out, maybe I have a better shot. And my attitude is, I don't care if I figure it out. All I care about is that I know Jesus. Well, Jesus' disciples asked him the question, what's going to be the signs of your coming in the end of the age? And uh, Jesus launched into a long litany of signs. To me, I find it interesting that Jesus didn't say, well, don't worry about it. You know, just live for me every day. <laughs> don't worry about signs. Jesus gave a long list of signs. And he, he said that what would be happening, there would be uh, the very first thing he says is do not be deceived. And I think that's interesting because there's a lot of deception out there today. He says, look, the world's going to be filled with deception. And Jesus talked about false Christs and false messiahs who would come on the scene. With all these prophecies that are coming, how do we judge them? I mean, how do we know what we're hearing is not just somebody's spirit wanting to make some sort of declaration or something? And how do we know what's really the Lord? Number one is we've got to go back and be Bible students. I mean, the Bible's pretty emphatic on who brings a word from the Lord and who doesn't. Whatever they say, if it comes true, it's of the Lord. If it doesn't come true, we're told to ignore them or whatever that may be. The problem is we keep listening to many times, Larry, the same people over and over. 
with prophecies. And I've been doing this since back in the, the 70s, late great planet Earth and on from there. And we keep you know, going over the same things, but adding new features to it and saying, this is a word from the Lord. Now, I'm not saying it isn't a word from the Lord, but I have not seen these predictions become reality yet. And that's what the Word of God says. It will become reality. So the first thing I do is look at Scripture. How does this line up? Second thing is, I look at the people themselves. What's the message they're bringing with this? If it's a message of doom and gloom, oh, this is terrible. Oh, you better get ready. You better be ready for the rapture which would be great. You better be ready for the end time, so you better stock up your food now. Larry, I hate to say it, we even have evangelists that are out there selling stockpiles of food for mm. people to put in their homes, which I think is kind of crazy. If the Lord's going to return, why do we need that? Bottom line is, I want to be ready to meet Jesus face to face. You know what, Larry? I could die today. You and I finish this broadcast. I could have a heart attack and be gone. Mm -hmm. Then the, the end, as we know, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus and have to give an account. So I think a lot of people, you're living with fear. And I think, honestly, Larry, there is a breakdown of confidence in Jesus. Even among a lot of the evangelists I listen to, they don't seem to have a good grasp on the fact that he is Lord and he is King. I was reading the other day, and I did a sermon on this not long ago, on Jude, verse 5. Now, Jude is just one chapter, but verse 5 in the ESV says, you remembered at one time, but you seem to have forgotten that it was Jesus who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, that's not in some of the other translations, and so I did the research. Was this a bad translation, or is there reality? Turns out the ESV went back to some of the earliest manuscripts we've ever found, 2nd and 3rd century, and guess what they found? Jesus in all those manuscripts. You get to the 4th and 5th century, suddenly the name Jesus disappears and the word Lord comes in or God comes in. The bottom line is it's been Jesus from beginning to end. And that's the message I want to communicate. I want to come back to that a little bit later, at least from the standpoint of the prophetic and, and what is prophetic and what isn't. I want to talk a little bit more about the prophetic and the Holy Spirit, but we'll get there. Let's go back to that article for a moment. You say... Permit me to identify what we won't be asked. How well did you know the Bible? Did you figure out the date and the time of my return? Did the signs of the time frighten you or give you confidence? Did you attend church every Sunday? Were you a good person? Did you tithe? Were you moral? I could go on and on, you write. Here are the only two questions you say that matter when we are face to face with Jesus. Question one. Did you surrender your life to me? This implies repentance, faith in Jesus, and walking in forgiveness, witnessing, and growing up into him as his disciples. Okay, the emphasis will not be on performance as much as it will be about priority, right, Tom? I mean, there's got exactly. to be a priority, and he has got to be our priority, not the things we do. Unpack that. Right. Well, here's what it comes down to. What did Jesus command us to do? What does Scripture actually command? command us to do. I was reading in, I believe it's Luke 21 the other day, about Jesus talking about the end. And he said, when you see these things happening, lift up your heads and rejoice, for your redemption is near. Now the command there is what? Well, it is to rejoice, lift up your head. He doesn't tell us anything else there about how to do that. But then he goes on in scripture, and he tells us that, number one, we need to know him. That our goal is to help as many people know who Jesus is and surrender their lives to him. If we fail to do that, even if we figured out all the parameters of the end times and we've got great charts on our wall and we're selling books like mad, we've missed the point. The point is not what happens at the end, it's who we meet at the end. And so when I'm talking about unpacking the scriptures, I've come to believe this, Larry, 
that the Bible is all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. We've got to get that right, and we've got to get focused on him and what he has done as our Lord and Savior, and bow to him. Submit now. Serve him now. My goal for a long time has been simple. I not only want to know Jesus, I want to think like Jesus. I want to behave like Jesus. I want to serve like Jesus, because he's the one who has all the answers, and he's the only Savior. If we fail to do that, then we miss the whole point. Jesus is the focus. It's called surrendering to him, and that's where I want to get people more than anything else in this world. And so when people come to me, and they're scared, Larry, and they say, I think the end is near. You know, aren't you scared, Tom? I will literally say to them, no, because I know the author. I've met Jesus. I know where I'm going, and whether I live today or tomorrow, whether I die today or tomorrow, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be with him forever. And I had one Christian say to me, and this is a pastor. So, well, that's a unique way of looking at it. And I thought, what are you talking about? This is Christianity. Mm -hmm. It's always been about Jesus and his saving work on the cross for you and me. You know, Tom, what I'm saying to people now recently is that Christians often have a hard time asking the hard questions. And the hard question on this matter is, where do we go wrong? Why is the church not picking up the mantle of what you just said and making it known through every aspect of their ministry? Where did we go wrong? I think we have compromised with the world. I think we have so desired to, to be loving and gentle. And after all, isn't that easy? Let's just love everyone. Let's mm -hmm. just be gracious to everyone. I don't have to confront anybody about a bad lifestyle. I don't have to talk to anybody about their bad beliefs. I'm just going to love them, Larry. Mm -hmm. That's convenient. Matter of fact, the ELCA which drives me nuts, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, about a year ago at a convention, voted, are you ready for this? They voted that from that moment on, in ecumenical gatherings with Muslims, Jews, or any other belief system, they will not bring up the name of Jesus because it's offensive. Now think about that for a minute. Think about what that means. That is the most horrible thing I've ever heard. That's like I go to a party and I take my wife along, but I won't introduce her to anybody. I won't acknowledge she's my wife. I just want to stay neutral and loving toward everyone. This is what's happened in America. And think about the church. What do we emphasize so much? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, loving our neighbor. I had somebody say to me the other day, well, isn't the goal of Christianity love? And I said, no, that's the outcome of the relationship with Jesus, knowing him. Surrendering to him is the goal. Out of that comes everything else. Within 200 years after it began, Christianity abandoned many of the teachings of its founder, Yahshua, commonly called Jesus. Influenced by Greek and Roman paganism, Zoroastrianism, and beliefs that even go back as far as Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, Christianity turned away from most of its Hebraic foundation. From what the Messiah looked like to the very name he was called by, what you have been taught all your life is almost entirely wrong. Minister and journalist Alan Mansager explains. Christianity, as we know it today, started out as a Jewish faith. And it wasn't until 300 years later that Constantine started to make changes in the Sabbath, in Passover, and many of the other fundamental doctrines of Scripture. Don't believe us. Believe what you read in your Bible. All it takes is an open mind, free from the traditional baggage of church theology. This little clip reminds me of why we have a City Sides podcast. 
We want to drill down deep into the scriptures and find out who this Jesus really is. And so much of what we've been taught sometimes isn't quite along the path or along the way as the scripture teaches. And uh, we're questioning things all the time, not because we just want to question them, but are they true? Are they right? Are they God's perspective on how to live and how to think and what to believe? Well, today we're talking with a guest by the name of Tom Parish. Tom has written an article I think is very challenging about really there's only two questions that really matter. The first question was, did you surrender your life to me? And the second question is similar, Tom. Who did you bring with you? Through that surrender to Jesus, who did you bring with you? To unpack that one, why is that so important? It's amazing to me that we are given direct command, especially in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. And whether you read the article or you just have you're hearing this broadcast, look that up in your Bible. Please read it about five times, because over and over in those verses, Paul tells us that we have been reconciled to God in Christ, and now he has given us the message of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was forgiving our sins, and we are now called to be ministers of this reconciliation, ambassadors of the gospel. You talk about a direct command. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Now, here's the problem. We have had some tremendous evangelists in your lifetime and mine. I have the greatest respect for Billy Graham and so many others. And I worked with the Billy Graham Crusades. They were wonderful. They did a great job. But they only gave half the message most of the time. Let me explain what I mean by that. I was at a big church here in Minneapolis, and I'm a Lutheran, but I gave altar calls occasionally. And so I had an altar call. I know, and it's a little, little strange. But I gave an altar call and asked people to come and surrender their life to Jesus and have their sins forgiven. It was the typical formula we all hear. I had a big crowd come forward. It was marvelous, you know, and, and I felt really good that day and felt like I really accomplished something. Well, I noticed that the next week, half those people didn't come back. And the next week, two-thirds of them were gone. So I started following up on people. And one guy kind of hit me between the eyes. I said, Bill, you know, you, you came forward, you repented of your sins, you received Jesus. Why aren't you coming to church? Dead look on his face. He said, well, you never asked me to do that. All you asked me to do was repent of my sins and receive Jesus. You never asked me to be a disciple. You never asked me to study the Bible. You never asked me to be his witness. And you know what, Larry? He was right. And from that moment, I changed my whole approach to where not only do I call people to faith in Jesus, but literally when I do now, I say, you need to repent, receive Jesus, become his lifelong disciple, and understand that you are now an ambassador of the gospel. Your mission from this moment on is to bring other people to faith in Jesus and disciple them so they grow up in him and are mature. And once I began to do that, my whole ministry began to change. And I began to see people not only come to church and come to Christ, but become leaders. They would lead small home groups. I have seen so many lead small groups in their homes. And I'm working now in the Twin Cities helping churches develop home churches if that day ever comes to where we can't meet in the local church. How does a home church operate with lay people running it? So we've been working on that. In the conclusion of your blog, this article, you say, are you prepared right now to answer these two questions? It's on the final exam and it's all that matters. I like the way you concluded, but I wonder what prompted you to write these. It's a very simple message, but it's so true. How did you come to that revelation that this was something that you wanted to tell people about? Honestly, it, it was a burden on my heart, and I felt like the Holy Spirit's been pushing me, Larry, because there is so much confusion out there. Here's one of the things I do. I'm a student of the Bible, and I'm a student of history. 
I'm a student on everything, my wife would tell you. <laughs> As I listen to these prophecies online and written prophecies, I actually began to chart them. I mean, make a chart on the wall. And yeah. what are the major points of each one? And I began to discover there was not a uniform pattern. It was more confusing than it was a pattern that showed me what's going on and how to prepare. And then I began to realize, wait a minute, I understand people with the dreams and people hearing this and thinking this is of the Lord, and it may well be. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it isn't. But I think the point is, is it bringing people to Jesus? Is it bringing people to a saving relationship? Is it making disciples out of them? And I don't see that happening anywhere. I see people trying to escape the end, trying to know what's going to happen so they don't get burned badly if it goes wrong. But I don't see people saying, I'm falling at the knees of Jesus. I'm going to obey him and I'm going to serve him and be like him the rest of my life, whether it's 24 hours or whether it's 24 years. So that's why I felt pressed to do it. You're right, Tom. I think there are so many people who want to be right about their theology and their doctrine, and they spend so much time trying to prove them to be right. And I'm not sure that's where <laughs> the Holy Spirit leads us. But I want to come back to that whole idea of the plethora of voices out there with prophetic voices and teachings today. We also see amongst all these voices, we see the failure of the church, especially Christian leaders of late, people that you would never have thought would ever be taken down by their sin, but we see it over yeah. and over again. It's an exposure of what has been in their lives for some time. And I reminded, Tom, when we begin to take a, a measurement of what the Holy Spirit does for us and in us, Jesus told us very clearly in John 16, and I want you to to kind of unpack this part of it for us as well, because he said there are three things the Holy Spirit's going to do, and here's the scripture verse, I'll read it. When he comes, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now, that's a threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit, sin, the righteousness of God, and the judgment of God. So, if these prophetic voices are not falling in line with these three things, I just question whether the Holy Spirit is in operation. Your thoughts? Well, you created the template. It's a biblical template that enables us to compare what the Word has already said compared to what we're hearing. Now, number one, as Christians, we don't believe the Word contradicts itself. We do not believe that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, contradict themselves. We believe they're consistent in their message. Therefore, what people are hearing out here and what they're sharing and the main points they're bringing forth have to line up with what you just read from John. If it's not lining up with the sin, righteousness, and judgment, then I'm very concerned. Now, here's the key. What people say, well, it's all about judgment at the end. No, 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 we're not talking that kind of judgment of figuring out the times and what's going to happen. It's the judgment on my individual soul, the judgment on am I right with Jesus? Am I walking with him? If I don't have that one right, Larry, it doesn't matter what else I've got right. I've lost the whole thing. And so I try to emphasize that, that it's important to focus on the main message, which is Jesus and being his disciple and making disciples. If you do that, then you know what? I, I had a class I was teaching, and I had adults in that class. And I said to them, this was a church I was at in Ohio. I said to them, how many of you have gone to church for more than 40 years? And virtually everyone raised their hand. It was an older congregation. And I said, in those 40 years, how many times has the pastor stood in the pulpit or at a meeting or at a fellowship gathering and said to you or said to the church, what I did was wrong and I sinned against you and, and against the Lord. Please forgive me. Larry, there was dead silence, dead silence. Now, why? I'm not perfect. 
You're not perfect. We make errors and mistakes even as pastors. How do we model that for the body when we start talking about sin? And why do we expect lay people to be repentant if they don't see any of it in our life? I don't have to be perfect. I simply serve the one who is perfect because it's his righteousness I'm after, not my righteousness. And the failure to understand that brings me into judgment. The most frightening verse in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, is in Hebrews chapter 10. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I remember explaining to my grandson, I said, if you think Satan's bad, where do you meet Jesus on the wrong side? Now, I'm not saying that to frighten people, but I am saying that to be honest with what the Word of God says. Jesus is both tremendous love and grace and mercy, and at the same time, absolute judgment and the final word, and he will hold us accountable. So I want people to have the whole picture, not just part of it. Sin is one of those issues, Tom, where we don't want to remind people of sin because that kind of creates an uncomfortableness. And so pastors have stayed away from the sin issue, but how do we ever find out what's right and what's wrong if we don't talk about sin? Dennis Prager gave a great illustration about his grandkid. His grandson is, I think, four, and this four-year-old said, Grandpa, I have two brains. And Dennis Prager says, two brains? What do you mean? Well, I have one brain that says what is right, and I have another brain that says something's wrong. I mean, and that's the battle within all of us. It's called sin. It's our sin nature battling against what we know to be right. So I'm just wondering why we don't talk more about the sin. I remember coming up as a Christian, boy, every Sunday we'd have an altar call because people needed to get rid of something in their lives called sin. Yes. Here's the problem. First of all, I think too many pastors today are not leaders. And I hate to put it that way. George Barna said in his surveys, there are lots of pastors that identify as pastors and teachers, as shepherds, as CEOs, but very few identify as leaders. Mm. Leaders are the kind of people that say the truth is more important than being liked. Mm. And quite frankly, most pastors in local church want to be liked. They want to keep their job. They want to have a secure setting to be in. And I understand that. I was a pastor for 40 years in churches. I know how difficult that is. But I also learned that ultimately, I'm not accountable to the church council or to the members of the congregation. I'm accountable to Jesus. And if I don't speak the truth for him, then I'm going to hurt people. And the day will come in judgment where he's going to say to me, Tom, why didn't you tell them the truth? Why did being loved by them more than you love me? And I made it in my mind, I wasn't going to go there. I will speak the truth. Now, how you speak, it's another matter. You don't have to clobber people to death or whatever. A lot of times with young millennials, the word sin is so foreign to them. So I say, well, you know, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. But tell me about your shame and your guilt. Well, guess what? They all have shame and guilt. And after they unpack that and we talk about it, I say, what a coincidence. You know, when Jesus talked about sin, he was talking about your shame and your guilt in rebellion against God the Father's will. And for many of them, it clicks. Well, this is why I think these kind of conversations are so important. And I see a freedom in you in the last few years. It seems maybe you've always had it, but it seems like it's been more prolific because you don't have the pressures of church council or whatever. You're really speaking from the heart, which is why people at your age and what you're doing now, you need to keep writing. You need to keep communicating this message that isn't tainted by a lot of our church culture. I think that's the biggest problem. Church culture just kind of squeezes the life out of some things that we call truth. So I I applaud you. Last word, Tom, I'll give it to you. What would you say to our audience about those two questions again? I would say put them on your wall, read them over and over, and make sure you do it today. That is surrender to Jesus. That is confess your sins, call upon him, you know, determine to be his disciple. 
and then follow his word in 2 Corinthians 5. You are now an ambassador of the gospel. Go and make disciples. And that means not only sharing the gospel with them, it means taking the time to sit down with them over the next several weeks or months and to literally open the scriptures to them and teach them the word of God. If we do that, then I think we'll see people's lives changed, and I think we'll see a lot calmer spirit, even in the midst of the chaos. I know my audience is going to love what you had to say today, and so if they want more of Tom Parrish, where do they go? You can go to my website, which is www.to2eternity.org, and it has all my information on there. It has my email, and uh, it'll connect them with my Facebook page as well. So it's a good place to start. I'm always happy to talk to people. I don't hide who I am. I don't hide my phone number. I don't hide my email. I say, here I am. Come and get me. <laughs> I love it. One more time. Give us the address. www.2toeternity.org. Take you right to the website. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday, we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators, all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. <laughs>